0: This show does not intend to give you advice on how to spend your money and does not leave us responsible for your decision. All investment strategies and investments involve risk of loss. Nothing contained in this podcast should be construed as investment advice. Any reference to an investment past or potential performance is not and should not be construed as a recommendation or as a guarantee of any specific outcome or profit. i'm mia and i'm scott
1: and we're gonna get along and totally not argue for 30 minutes on how you can build your own success story
0: really should we shake on it (laughs) welcome to rags to riches
1: money matters success story of the week
0: sometimes we're talking to clients about their future sometimes we're talking about their past and this is kind of a rags to riches idea i want to give you guys a, a little heads up that This may apply to many of you who are listening. His name is Mark, and he's 52 years old and has come from a family who weren't exactly savers. He uh, tells me that uh, he has not put away but maybe $10,000 in his whole life, and he has desires to retire early. And uh, he's 52, and he has $10,000. He makes about $65,000 a year and uh, was interested in uh, setting up something for himself for the future and didn't want to spend more than $200. And I went over the numbers with him and said, you know, just off the top of my head, $200, that's $2,400 a year. 10 years go by, you put in $24,000 and um, that's not really enough to live on in retirement. And if you did it for 20 years, you maybe have $50,000, $60,000, $70,000, is that enough to live on? And of course he knew that it wasn't. And as we began to discuss what his goals were, he realized he didn't really have goals. And as we discussed what would be conceivable, given how much he earns and how much money he would like to have in retirement, the conversations evolved to some of the things that he had heard from various people that he has come across from his uncle's uh, introductions and so on. And as the conversation grew, and then later we reconvene today with his illustration of how the numbers would look for him in the future, he started to change and become inspired by the prospect that his future, instead of him being kind of uh, dismissive of the future or maybe possibly in some level of denial about the future, that the future is going to come irrespective of what he decides to do or not do. And he's got uh, 16, 17 years left to accumulate money. Anyway, long story short, he was saying $500 a month would be something he could afford. And by the time we finished today, completed an application with him and he's committed to $1,000 a month. And um, he's a rags to riches story for me because I got to witness his evolution of being somewhat interested to being inspired. And I hope that our show inspires you in that same way.
1: All right, great. Now it's time for the show.
0: (laughs) Did I leave any time for the show?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think we're on to the next episode now. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna talk today about the whole concept of be your own bank. It's it's become very popular. It's blowing up on TikTok. Walk of Flame is a, a rapper and he made a some sort of video, a YouTube video about how to be your own bank and, and borrowing money from your own life insurance. And and it, it really did catapult this concept into uh, a a viral concept, but there's a couple different ways you can go about being your own bank. Uh, It started off with a briefly, a man, Nelson Nash, years ago, uh, created the concept and realized that, hey, you could borrow money from your own life insurance policy, and then you could pay yourself back instead of paying the bank so you could essentially buy your own money earn money on that money and then not pay the bank back um, or pay the bank an interest so the concept was created back in the day when whole life was the only cash accumulation vehicle around and, and now it's done off of index universal life insurance policies um, so we're going to kind of explain the differences between whole life and IULs and how the loan structures work and how arbitrage works and, and everything like that. Um, but uh, Scott, you want to jump in and say anything? Uh, so I'd
0: like to just say that, you know, it sounds a little complicated. Be your own bank. And, and actually, uh, Nelson's uh, original book, I think, was called Becoming Your Own Banker. But Be Your Own Bank has kind of become the... Uh, Uh, The known phrase for this, but, but basically you put money into a life insurance policy, which is what be your own bank is, which is a whole life policy and then it later it accumulates growth based on dividends dividends are declared by the carrier and they decide each year what their dividend is going to be. And then everybody is credited that amount of money, that that amount of money then accumulates. And then over time, as that money builds, you can borrow against it at a certain percentage rate, which is lower than what you would get at a bank. And then you can continue to use the money that you borrowed in other places in your life, like buying real estate or cars or whatever it is that you buy. And then you pay your own self back. And in so doing, you never had to pay a bank the interest. So you, in a, in essence, become your own banker. So that's the process. But what Mia is saying is that when you decide that you want to move in that direction, the, the restrictions you have in that In that concept with a whole life policy are that whole life policies are not as flexible as some of the other vehicles that are available so mia explain what's different about a whole life policy versus a iul
1: there's a lot of differences in my opinion when you're looking for a cash accumulation vehicle you want to go with an iul a whole life insurance policy as scott mentioned it's based off of the company declares dividends at the start of the year, mostly four or 5% maximum of what you're earning in that account. And in IUL, if we're just doing comparison, apple to apple, an IUL, has it well in our indices have no limits as far as caps go so you can have 18 percent some year you can have 22 some year so it's there's no limit on what you can earn on that so you get to you get to experience more of the market that way you're not capped at four or five percent so there's one big difference right there in some cases dependent on the structure of the the policy essentially your whole life means you're paying for your whole life there's a lot of whole life policies where I have looked at uh, clients at their previous accounts, or just in general of knowing how these work, they have to pay premiums for their whole life, and which guarantees that death benefit for their whole life. But it also becomes quite expensive when you look at the longevity of this. So your your whole life is earning less money. It's usually more expensive. It doesn't earn as much money, and your loan rate when you borrow from yourself is usually either exactly what you're earning or higher. So that is why it's instructed to pay your loans back in a whole life policy, because if you don't, you're going to collapse the policy eventually, and you're going to eat up all your cash value, and you're not really having your money work for yourself. So um, if you're comparing a difference between uh, an IUL, so the IUL, like I mentioned, earns higher interest. Your loan rate is lower than what you're earning on most cases. So Um, Sometimes four or 5% is the loan rate, depending on what carrier you go to, Uh, but you're earning more. So if you're you're earning a 10, let's say a 10% interest and your loan rate is a 5%, then you make a 5% profit off of money that you've used. And Scott has a really good way of describing arbitrage. It's sometimes a little over people's heads when you really break it down, it's a really fascinating way of being able to make a profit off of money that you've used. Scott, if you want to explain it.
0: Yeah. So, so how I like to explain it is this, if you had a hundred thousand dollars in a Roth IUL, for example, in an IUL, and you wanted to borrow $50,000 and you borrowed the $50,000 from your own money, that's your accumulation, hundred thousand dollars that you have saved in your, in your account that $50,000 is going to cost you 5% to to borrow from yourself, but you pay yourself that money. And then all the while you, it's a separate transaction because you now owe $50,000, but the carrier is not dinging you for $50,000 on your account. Instead, you still have a hundred thousand dollars in your account. That hundred thousand dollars is still generating interest you know, average, it's been coming in over 10% interest, but it grows on the $100,000 while you still have a $50,000 loan outstanding against it. And you're collateralizing the loan against the hundred that you have in your account. But what you're not doing is giving up the growth of that $100,000. Instead, you have $50,000 in a separate transaction that's building up at 5%, so a smaller amount. So the difference between the five and the 10 is what Mia's saying is a profit that you're making. They call that arbitrage. Arbitrage, funny French word. It is meant to describe the spread between what you pay for the money From your own account and what you're earning on the money that's in your account. And so it's like making money on top of money. But it's a great concept and it and it's true. It it works. But what Mia is saying is equally true. Whole life policies pay dividends. Dividends are smaller than the interest that you would earn on a Roth IUL or a lot of IULs for that matter. But the Roth IUL in particular will earn at least twice what you're going to be getting your interest on. Whereas when you borrow it from a, a, a whole life policy, you're having to pay about what you're earning. So you're really not making any profit. Yeah. So that's the problem. And that's why, that's why it doesn't work. Plus, if I may also point out that there is a death benefit on both of them. And if you die, then your family is going to get paid out a, a set fee and it depends on how much it is, how much your, 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 your account is set up to, to pay out. But if you're gonna get a $100,000 or $200,000 or your family's gonna get that if you die, that's a death benefit. And there are things called living benefits. Mia will explain what a living benefit is. Imagine your future, how does it look? Are you still working in your 70s? Or are you enjoying a tax-free income of five to ten thousand dollars monthly while sipping margaritas in the bahamas or did it take you too long to realize that money matters creating a strategy for your retirement shouldn't be difficult or risky and it definitely should be lucrative that's why we created rothiul.com to get you the maximum amount of tax-free earnings with no limitations unlike the roth ira Our clients earn high interest with generous bonus options with the ability to lock in gains in a no risk environment. The best way to predict the future is to create it. Go to rothiul.com, R-O-T-H-I-U-L.com or call 1-800-202-7398. That's 1-800-202-7398.
1: So a living benefit is basically either, it depends on the carrier that you go to, but a living benefit is something that you can use while you're alive. So if you get diagnosed with cancer, if you get sick, you have stroke, you have a heart attack, all things that you probably wouldn't normally want to have in your life, but if they were to happen, would require money. You know, most insurance companies for your health insurance, They cover stuff, but they might not cover all the treatments that you need, or you might not be working and you might not have a paycheck and you need money. So a living benefit would cover that. It depends on the care you go to, but you can advance your death benefit to cover those, or you have a living benefits policy, which would cover you for critical illness or or long-term care. It just depends on which one you go with. But you can also, as I mentioned, advance your death benefit in the case of something were to happen. But what you can really do if you need money is borrow from your account. And then your death benefit isn't completely advanced to where it's depleted. Now, when you borrow from your account, if you borrow in your earlier years, you can obviously opt to put that money back. Um, Sometimes people will take a loan here and there and not put it back because it's small. And then if they, of course, just continue to put more money into their account. But the really cool thing about loan structures, when you do retire, um, you know, you, it there's a, it sets up a lifetime income stream. And that's something that the same type of loan is taken in retirement as the same loan that's taken earlier in your earlier years if you need to borrow money. Uh, but, you know, usually you just put that money back because you want to maximize your later year earnings. So a loan structure when you retire, let's just say you're 65 years old and- you wanted to take, you know, or your loan was, your account, was it going to produce a $50,000 a year income stream? If you compare how this works with a lifetime income stream versus let's say a 401k account, if you had $500,000 in a 401k and you were taking out $50,000 a year to live off of, you would do that every single year. Your balance would then go down to 450000 and then it would be earning interest on that. And the next year you take out another 50000 and it, go down to 400000 and change, whatever earns interest on that. My point is that account will deplete eventually and will run out of money. So your 401k, stock account, savings accounts, all of those are designed to drop in balance when you remove money. Now, because of the loans and the, I guess, the the aspect of the be your own bank, but that's the whole loan structures of things. But the lifetime income stream that sets up with these accounts Let's say you have that same $500,000 example. When you retired, you need to take out $50,000 a year for an income stream. The company says, hey, we see you have that $500,000 in there. We're going to allow you to leave that in there. And we're going to loan you $50,000 against the equity in your account and against your survivor benefit. And then we're going to allow the five hundred dollars to continue to grow until the day that you die. So you eventually live off the interest off of this account, and it produces a lifetime income stream because you're never actually removing the balance that you're earning interest on. So that's how you're able to have a lifetime income stream from these accounts. It's similar to a pension, but pensions are taxable where this is not. And since a a survivor benefit has to be a little higher than your cash value in order for it to qualify for a tax-free vehicle, then you uh, you will always have a remainder to give to a family member, even if you pass at 95, 97, 100 years old. So you've taken out an income stream for your whole life after you've stopped, you know, stopped putting money into it, you've retired, you're taking an income stream. And then even, let's say, you live 30 years past that point, you still have a balance to give to your family. And if done correctly and started early enough, all of the money that you've put into it will be returned to a family member, even at 95 years old.
0: Wow. That was a lot. I don't know. Could you repeat that?
1: Yeah. All right. Give me one second.
0: (laughs) (laughs) If I could, I have a shorter version of that. That is what I.
1: You have something shorter than me. I
0: know it's shorter than way shorter than that. Let me just say it. Let me say my, my uh, version of that. You go through your whole career and, uh, you save 200,000 and you have a 401k and you're going to go retire and you decide you want to take $20,000 out each year to live on, to spend, you know, along with your social security or whatever, you take 20,000 out the first year. Now you got 180 in the account. Now the interest is building on $180,000 instead of 200 next year, you take out another 20. Now you got one hundred and sixty and so on, 140, and so on. As the money goes down, so does the growth on that account because your interest is being calculated on a smaller amount, pretty logical. And all accounts, all 401ks and IRAs, they all work the same way. You're decreasing the balance and so you're getting less interest each year. And then when you get to the end, in that example, 10 years down the road, if you took $20,000 out every year, 10 years down the road, you're broke, the money's gone it's emptied. So this is different. And the way it's different is this, the 200,000 in a Roth IUL sits inside the Roth IUL and stays there. If you need 20, if you want to live on 20,000 a year, you take 20 out the first year, but you still have 200 in the account and you owe 20 against it. That's basically it. The following year, you take another 20 out. Now you owe 40 against it. And, but you still have, now you have 210 or 215 because the 200 continues to grow because it's never been removed from the from the main balance instead you have a smaller balance that's building up that's building up at 5%. The result of that is that this will continue to spin off money for you to live on for the rest of your life to the age of 120. If you live beyond 120 then yes, it will be gone, but you probably won't. And so the result of this is that one account continues to grow and continues to spin off interest on a higher and higher balance. And the other one, the 401k type model, continues to shrink down. And in short time, it's gone because you've spent it. And they're not going to give you interest on a zero balance. They're only going to give you interest on money you have in your account. So that's the stark difference between the two accounts.
1: I don't see how that was any different from what I said, nor shorter.
0: <laughs> well, at least I got. You
1: to literally that. just repeated what I said yeah, in your I, voice.
0: I sounded so much better.
1: In fact, it was probably longer if we timed each story.
0: <laughs> All right, stop! Stop giving me rags.
1: Yeah. I'm trying okay. to give you riches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, I'm gonna give you a. <laughs> What about about
0: be your own bank principle? We kind of got off the track there. I'd like to get back to that. If I, if I might also point out that, that the Nelson Nash concept is not really that different, except that whole life policies pay less. They, you can't borrow it at, at, at a rate. That's half the amount that you're earning. And one of the big problems with the be your own bank principle in a whole life policy is in the IUL, you can increase your contributions over the years, thereby increasing your accumulation value, therefore increasing your annual lifetime income stream. Whereas in a whole life policy, they set you up for a certain dollar amount per month, and that's it. You never change it. And you can never change your your survivor benefit, you can never change anything. And there are no no, no uh, death benefits that tie in with living benefits. So it's a shell of a version of what we have to offer in an IUL. So I like it for that reason.
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's carrier specific. But yeah, I think the reason, honestly, why people still do the quote unquote, be your own bank with a whole life policy is because it has a cult following in a way. From, from Nelson Nash years ago. So he kind of has a movement and that was the account that it was created on. So people have stuck with it. And agents also, you, know, you don't have to advance liquidity um, in a whole life, certain accounts you're able to, the agent gets commissioned right away. So they promote it because it doesn't take anything away from them. Like I said, I don't see why somebody would still even get a whole life policy, um, nor use it for a cash accumulation vehicle, nor use it to be your own bank. But as I mentioned, it, it was the original start of the account. And I think that's just the reason why people still do it. I don't see honestly why they do it anymore, but it's there. I remember
0: when I heard the first explanation for what whole life is versus term. It was many years ago. And somebody said, well, term insurance lasts for a certain term. And whole life lasts for your whole life. <laughs> thought, yeah. God, how ridiculous is that? So it's a whole life policy because it lasts for your whole life. And a term policy is because it lasts for a term. And of course that's true, but it's kind of silly. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> <Whole laughs> plan on it's whole, whole life. And policy. For the most part, you're paying for it for your whole life too. Uh,
0: I could just kind of imagine Gomer Pyle. Does anybody remember Gomer Pyle?
1: No, Robert I'm- Pyle. Uh, he was there
0: a, you. he was, it was a black and white uh, uh, TV show back in the day, a long time ago. And uh, he used to say, go late. And of course, you know, it's going to last me my whole life. And I thought, well, geez, whole life policy ties right in with that concept. So that's the Gomer pile life insurance policy. For me.
1: <laughs> Got it. Okay. <laughs> Well, that was I was born in the 80s, so I don't know if I, that might be a little past by prime there.
0: All right, so so uh, are you finished talking about your, your whole life uh, concept here with uh, infinite banking?
1: Yeah, I think I'm done. Are you done? I think I'm done. So it's so, like we got it across.
0: Yeah, so you don't you don't think that uh, people should go with uh, the uh, whole life concept?
1: No, I do not. I think that is a horrible idea.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah, what about what about term insurance?
1: I, well, here's the deal. I, term insurance, I don't see that much value, but if you're young and you need extra coverage, I know we're not talking about the differences between the, all the the term policies, but if you need some extra coverage to throw on there, sure. Throw uh you know, a million dollars in term while you have your mortgage to be paid off and your kids are young and you need some extra coverage just in case, but you're obviously not going to get that money back, but it's, it's good for extra protection. Well, yeah,
0: you can get a million dollar term policy for 30, 40 bucks. It depends on how old you are, obviously, and how how good your health is, but 30, 40 bucks a month and get a million dollar insurance policy. But then the 20 years will pass, the term ends, and then that same million dollar policy might cost you three to four times that amount, maybe more. And and of course, you might have gotten ill and along the way and or some kind of condition that made it impossible to get another coverage, another policy. So term insurance is good as an add-on, but it's not a, a good long-term solution because they do end because they are a term.
1: What about uh, what about the Roth IUL, Scott? <laughs> what do you think about those?
0: I'm a big fan. Actually. All right, cool. All right, <laughs> sign
1: me up. I, I already right. got a couple of
0: them, but right, well, uh, we're done with this. I'll uh, I'll get an application, we'll <laughs> yeah. See if we can get you qualified.
1: I think that's it. But what we have for today. I I don't, Scott, you have any last words?
0: Uh, my last words are rags to riches, money matters. <laughs>
1: ah,
0: mm-hmm. I like to get that in. That's the plug. So and uh, our producer asked me to say that, so.
1: Yes, you are a comedian, I'll tell you that. You, <laughs> when's your stand-up routine?
0: Oh, I tell you, I, I get no respect.
1: Yeah, I could have cued that on point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening to our show, but we gotta ask, what are you waiting for?
1: We would love to stay in touch with you. Message us on rothiul.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Roth IUL.
0: We look forward to seeing you next month on Rags to Riches.
1: Money matters. I've lived with you my whole life. I know, I know all of your one-liners. Do you
0: even know who that is that has that?
1: Roger Dangerfield, right? Rodney Rodney Dangerfield. There you go, Rodney. There
0: we go. Roger. Roger. Roger.
1: Roger. Roger
0: Roger Dangerfield.
1: Yeah, someone dangerous.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's uh that's good. I'm glad you know my stuff. She knows my shtick.
1: Yeah. Okay, well then
0: well. we will we will leave it there for this week. We thank you all for listening and we will see you next time at our next issue, the next episode. We will see you next time on our next episode.